Well, it's great to see you. It's great to be back with you again on this absolutely gorgeous day. Thank you for joining us in prayer. And we know that prayers will continue. And we are engaged actively in contending for our brothers and sisters uh, across the globe. And it's, so, it's such, a, such a beautiful thing. You know, the rhythm of life as a church, the, all the moments we've gone through in the last 15 years and probably 11 or 12 years on this beach, uh, it's, it's a, a deeply meaningful thing to be able to gather on good and bad weeks. Um, it's so good to be with you. So I'm, I'm going to start off right off by saying I'm exhausted. I'm like completely and utterly tired. It's been, I was like, we're doing demo in our backyard, taking out concrete. So I have sledgehammers and country music going basically like all weekend long when I'm, when I'm home last weekend and then preached, preached a sermon that was pretty vulnerable last weekend called the church when it breaks your heart. And you could ask, by the way, we're visited by Bill who is on sabbatical. So if you have any church related questions, email like Todd or Taylor, or, you know, if you can't find them, talk to me, but mostly Todd and Taylor. But, uh, but Bill, we love you. And we are so, when I saw you pull in the parking lot this morning, a smile just ripped across my heart. And that's who you are. When you show up, people are so delighted that you're there. So we love you, Bill. And it's so good to have you here. <laughs> I guess it's a healthy thing when a pastor is on sabbatical and wants to come to church, to their church. That's a, that's a good thing. So, um, but it's so good to see you. But it's just been exhausting at school. We're just spring break. Our spring break is next week. So that's kind of early, but it's next week. And so the ramp up is crazy. And then the men's retreat, like we drove like three and a half hours out to Borrega Springs, Borrega, and uh, had an incredible time just having conversations with guys, like one after the other, deep one hour long conversations, just impromptu that happened. It was really cool. And then drive home late last night, get home at one. And then here I am preaching. And I just feel like exhausted. And I'm always the most excited when I'm totally exhausted because I've taken all expectations and thrown them out. So I will ask all of you, take whatever expectations you have for this Sunday and lower them significantly and toss them, okay? <laughs> because, because this is just going to be, I pray, simple and legit. And there ha we've been in this series called Ecclesia. We've been talking about church and the overwhelming sense on my heart, and I've been able to preach three times this series, which is, which is just so happened that way. And so I, this is something that's been heavy on my heart. And I've had these senses from God, like these overwhelming senses about maybe some things that, that, that he would have me focus on. And I'm not trying to say I'm a clairvoyant or I have this, you know, I'm an oracle or anything like that. But I do, I do feel a sense of like, Okay, Lord, if I could say anything about this, here's what I'd say. So this morning is kind of one of those messages where it's like, if I could say anything about this, this is what I want to say. All right, so this is, this is kind of what's going down this morning. Is that Malachi Elmo right there? Malachi, look at you, bro. Just shredding this morning. <laughs> Good to see you, man. I held him when he was a baby. First day he was born, I was holding Malachi Elmo. Now he's a giant so we've all been there. We've all had it happen. You're working on something. You've got multiple programs open. Things are going okay. It starts to slow down. A page opens a bit slower. A document is kind of starting to glitch a little bit. And you start tinkering with it. 
like close out a program, open something else, refresh, restart Chrome. And it's like the computer is, it's starting to send you little baby signals that like all's not well. It's not quite clear. This isn't like a full on malware situation, but it's just not going great. And you have that document, maybe you saved it, maybe you didn't. And you're trying to desperately keep this computer working. And eventually you hit that point where you're like, I have to hit those three little buttons. Remember those three little buttons? Like I'm talking old PC crowd. You young gun Apple people. I'm talking old PC crowd. Like, remember those, what were those buttons? Control, alt, delete, baby. <laughs> Control, alt, delete. It's like the moment where you go, trust fall. Here I go, boom. <laughs> Come what may, it has to happen. I don't know how to fix this. That spinny wheel of death is like looking at you, mocking you, taunting you, saying, Something is wrong. I won't tell you what, but something is not right. And last week, the, we talked about church when it breaks your heart and had kind of a very, like, as the, as the kids say, real talk conversation about it. And we're not, in this series, talking about those churches over there. We're talking about this church here, this community of believers here. We're talking about ourselves. And we're trying to be as real and honest as we can because I think we all desperately want the same thing. We want a healthy, thriving, authentic church. That's what we desire. And we talked about church when it breaks your heart. And, and where do you go from here? And, and um, sometimes a church, it's obvious. Like there's a real clear, gnarly dysfunction. And you can go, that's the problem, or that's the person that's stirring up all these crazy problems. It's pretty obvious, everyone's afraid to say it, but we know it's this person or this thing. Or sometimes a church has a really ugly history and, and, and some like weird family patterns that have been passed down generationally in the church and folks just go there and get mean. And you can spot it and see it and it's like smells conspicuous. But then there are other times where you have a conglomeration of really well-meaning people that all have this heart for Jesus and they all got into it for the reasons that were pure and, and mostly beautiful and mostly undivided. And then somewhere along the way, you hit year 7, 8, 9, 10, 15, like we have as a river church. And like windows are opening a little slower. And like you, gotta, uh, you look at your tabs and it looks like, like a, a, a giant choo-choo train of just things that are open and you're trying to do. And maybe if I just open up one more tab and get one more program going and the computer starts sending you messages like, hey, there's some weird stuff going on here. And you just can't figure it out and you try to diagnose it. Let's do a think tank. Let's bring in a consultant. Let's huddle for a retreat around the topic of what's going wrong with the church. What's happening here? Why is it just sort of, there's more sand in the gears than normal. And I want to look at a church this morning, and I want to reflect deeply on our church, and I want to look at a church that, as it's uh, presented in, in the scriptures, that, like, Jesus actually talks to. Like, was, is that a crazy idea? What if Jesus could talk to the river church? Like, if he could write a letter to us, how many of you would want to get that letter? 
<laughs> Jim's like, nope, I don't want that letter. I do and I don't. I want to read it, I don't want to read it. It's like someone else read it to me really fast. Give me the highlights. Put it into an encouragement sandwich. Good feedback, some areas for improvement, and good feedback. Like if Jesus could write you a church, could see right through you and say, here is the problem. Here's the glitch. And what would he say? And we're going to hear him write to a church that he tells this church, I'm sorry, but you have to put your finger on the fingers on those three buttons. You've got to press control, alt, delete. There is one way forward for you, and it's actually going straight back. Straight back to where you started from. So let's, let's uh, if you would with me, this is in um, the Apocalypsis, Yohanu, the P Apocalypse of John. And if you hear the word apocalypse, what's the first thing you think of? What's that? The end? Well, what else? Theology? Eschatology. Oh, there's a seminarian right there, a theologian. What else do you think of when you hear apocalypse? Anyone? Come on, where's my people at? Apocalypse now? Zombies! Thank you, Barb! That's exactly what you should think about, right? It's zombies. And I want to ask you, River Church of the South Bay, what's your zombie apocalypse game plan? Do you have one? Are you ready for it? I'm taken to the sea, commandeering a boat, getting to Catalina. We could probably clear part of the island and create a barricade. Okay, that's another sermon for another week, but it's important. Apocalypse, but all apocalypsis means basically and simply is unveiling. It's this genre of literature, and it basically is a moment where in the New Testament where it's like, okay, we're going to just peel back the curtain a little bit and let you see a grander transcendent perspective on history, reality, and, your, and in this case, your church. And so it's this moment where there's this unveiling. Like, you want to know what's going on behind the scenes? You want to see why that spinny wheel of death is just orbiting your MacBook as a church? Well, I'm gonna just going to unveil, unveil and show you. And so this is uh, Ephesians, I'm um, sorry, uh, Apocalypse of John, or Revelation, otherwise known as, chapter 2, verse 1 and following. And it says this, to the, to the angel or messenger um, of the church in Ephesus, write this. Such and such, or these things, says the one holding the seven stars in his right hand, and the one walking in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And in the chapter just prior, it inter introduces who that person is. It's, it's the person of Jesus. And those seven stars represent these seven angels or messengers of seven churches, which are the lampstands. So it's symbolic language, very common for apocalyptic literature. And it's, it's saying these are the words of the one who holds these churches in, its ha in his hands. I know your works. And I know your labor, and I know the en your endurance. And I know that you don't carry or bear with, and it uses the general term here, badness. You don't carry or bear with just general junk and badness. You're not a church that holds that up and makes that your number one export. And you're not a church that invites that in 
and says, we've made a nice little tree house for you to hang out in the back of the church. No. So, so far, this letter's going really good. At that point, I'd say, stop reading. If that was to us, let's just stop while we're ahead. This is really good. And it also goes on with some more really good things. It says, you actually, you all uh, examine those who call themselves apostles. So folks that wander into your community and say, oh, I have a message from the Lord for you. You actually test them. You go, okay, well, let's, make, let's not just listen to everyone who says that. Let's really see, does this correspond with what we know of God? Does this correspond with Scripture? Does this correspond with what the Holy Spirit is doing in our midst? You test or try or examine those who call themselves apostles, but they're not, and you, you find them false. You call it out. And I also know this. So you haven't, it uses the same term, you haven't taken up or endured or um, bared, is that a word? Molly Baird is here. Molly Baird, where are you at? Molly Baird. Rob Baird, I was hanging out with your husband this weekend. Love that man. So the Bairds are here too. Okay, that's not a word, I guess. That's a great name though. I wish I had that last name. If you know my last name, you'll know why. Um, you haven't borne badness, but you do bear difficulties in my name. So this is really good. So far, this church checks the box. And it checks a lot of boxes. Doctrinal fidelity, they're really crisp on their notions of truth. Their worldview is firing, man. It's really good. They're wise. And they're kind of like, they're not pushovers. They're not here to be like, okay, well, Jesus wants us to vote for Biden. Jesus wants us to vote for Trump. This is what the gospel's all about, right? Or whatever your hobby horse is. No, they're like, no, this isn't gospel. We're, we're going to hold strong and firm to the gospel. So things are going really good in this message so far. And then it goes, but, and you're like, ah, oh, great, here it is. But I have against you this one thing. Okay, that's cool. He ha like, in the marble buckets, there's a big, fat, spilling over bucket of great marbles. You're doing so many things so beautifully. And there's literally a marble in the bucket of this other one. I have this against you. You've You've left your first love. You've forsaken your first love. You've walked away from. Maybe you've advanced beyond. You've evolved past your first love. And then he says, remember, therefore, how far you've fallen. And repent. That term, I love the term control-alt-delete. We think repent, we think that dude on Hollywood and Highland with the blowhorn who smells bad and is yelling at everyone that he doesn't like. And we're like, I don't like that term. So it's got a little bit of some bad PR, but it's a gorgeous term. It's actually one of the most refreshing terms, repent. It's one of the most important terms in a world we live in today where it is politically disadvantageous to say, oh, I totally own up to all that. I really blew it. In a world today where we're so tribal and we're so sure of our positions and we're so sure that we are the ones doing it right, whether it's a Christian position 
or it's a political position or it's some other thing you're into, where repentance is like this, don't do that. And what I want to encourage us all today, like control, alt, delete, demolition, and getting back to the fallow ground of a simplicity of love is one of the most refreshing things that we can do as a community here at the River Church as the River Church of the South Bay. And indeed, you individually, us individually. So it says repent and go back to those things, those first things. Go back to those simple things. Go back to your first love. If you don't, well, at least your ministry will continue with some healthy things like doctrinal clarity and endurance, and maybe you'll grow. That's not what it says. It says, if you don't, I'm coming. I'm coming. And I'm just going to remove the lampstand from its place if you're not going to repent. Like, in other words, you're doing so many things so well, but you've just lost your first love. You've advanced beyond the simplicity of your first love, and therefore, you're fundamentally compromised. Your church would be better not functioning and not being there. We looked at the, like last week at 1 Corinthians, like if I give all of my money to the poor and I give myself over to the flames, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and have prophetic gifts, but I don't have love. I am nothing. I'm a clinging gong, resounding symbol. So it's the same basic thing, repent. So I just, when I ask the question for the River Church of the South Bay, um, where have we gone wrong? I really, it's hard for me as an insider at the river. I see so many beautiful things and so many great things. And there are other things that you're like, yeah, that's maybe not ideal. But it's hard sometimes to put a finger on, like, what's the one piece? What's the one thing that needs to be surgically removed and healed up or replaced or enhanced? And I want to suggest to us all, like, repentance, control-alt-delete, reset, turning back is something that is so good and so healthy and so important and so necessary. And if we don't do it, we might continue on as like a, there's a zombie, a zombie loop here, as a zombie thread. We might continue on as like a zombie church that continues looking like a church, functioning like a church. But if we've lost our first love, if we've walked away from our first love, it's actually better that we don't exist. What does that look like? As simply as I can possibly put it, what does that look like? There goes the women's retreat. March 11th and 12th. Psalm 131. I'm going to close with this. O Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I'm not arrogant. And then it gives an actual context. It gives an example of that. I don't involve myself in matters that are too great for me. Or in things that are just... They're just too much that I don't understand. Pause. As a pastor for 20-something years and as someone in a church 
it is, there's a weird like pressure that you feel. And I'm sure if Bill was not on sabbatical, he would tell you all about it too. There's a pressure that you feel to like, how are we going to engage our cultural situation right here and now? What's the next move the church is going to make to advance the gospel into the next generation? We're losing the youth in the church. How are we going to get them back? Let's get a bounce house and some pizza. And let's get a spoken word artist. And let's bring in a punk band. Let's get things going. What's the latest and greatest curriculum that's on the market today? Who's hot? Where's our social media presence? How are we meeting those kids on TikTok? Let's do a dance now. Go. And there's a pressure to constantly find your way, to lean in. Jim Stewart could tell you about that pressure. I know it. Bill could tell you about that. Todd could tell you about that. Taylor could tell you about that. Luke could tell you about that. There's a weird pressure. And what it does is it takes the joy and takes a big fat pile of sand and it throws it into the gears of something that should be simple and beautiful because we're just feeling like, well, it's on me. i got to figure it out. How do I do it? And the Psalm starts with like, listen, I don't even think I'm going to solve this Gordian knot, this Rubik's Cube, the size of Manhattan. I'm not, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to sit there and have a think tank trying to figure this out. So what does it look like to return to your first love? Look where it goes. It says, surely I've, I've composed or I've settled and I've quieted my soul. I've composed, and I've quieted my soul. Like a weaned child rests against its mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. O Israel, O God's people, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. It's, in a, it's a ruthless and reckless abandonment of the machinations and stratagems of human volition and enterprise with a Bible verse stapled to it and rejecting that saying instead, here's what I want to do, River Church. Here's what I want us all to do, River Church. Let's cuddle up to our God like a weaned child. Such a powerful image because, as some of you know that have infants, what does an infant who's nursing want when it's close to its mother? By the way, a powerful image. A powerful image as we head into Women's History Month next month. A powerful image of God depicted maternal and nurturing. Remember, God's not a man, God's not a woman. That is just fully orbed, incredible representation of these beautiful differences. A wean, a, a, a child is nursing, what do they want? When they're near, mom's out there, what do, what do babies want when they're near you? If they're mer- nursing. They want milk. They're like, I want something from you. I am hungry. You're a great source of food. Let's eat. But when a weaned child cuddles up to you, and nuzzles into your, your chest. What do they want? It's undivided. It's non-transactional. It's pure. I want to be with you. 
I want to nuzzle you. My baby girl who's now 12 years old, like 12 years old, I have a 12-year-old girl. What am I going to do? When she gets picked up for her first date, I know what I'm going to do. And it'll be in a number of years, by the way. Any guys out there? There's no junior hires here, I don't think. Okay, just beware. I'm going to have a sawzall and be working on some wood. Just be like, hey, come on in. But my beautiful baby girl, I made a promise to her. You ever ask me to carry you anywhere, I will always do it. I don't care if I'm 95 years old, hop in the wheelchair, I will roll you somewhere. Like, I will carry her anytime. And she's getting so tall now. So it's like, she says, Daddy, will you carry me to bed? I'm like, oh, honey, I've just been doing demo in the backyard. Yes. I am not going to miss an opportunity when my baby girl just wants me to hold her. She just wants me to be close and have my arms on her. My, br- my boy Brixton, I just got back from men's retreat. He saw me this morning and got in late last night. And it was like the greatest moment as a father could ever want when your son beelines it to you. And all he wants to do is hold me and look at me. And hold me again and look at me. And you're like, I don't want your grades. I don't want your performance. I don't want you to win the surf competition. Although I do. That would be great. Some dad bragging rights. I don't want your accomplishments. I don't even want your like good boy behavior. Ultimately, what I want from you is to want to be with me and to hold me and for us to share that incredible bond of a father and a child. Zion, our four-year-old, he's, my, it's, he's in the zone right now where sometimes I'll wake up really early and he wants to crawl into bed with me and Bray. And he's right between me and Bray. And I'll crawl into bed. He's not tired. He doesn't want to sleep. He hasn't even had a bad dream. He'll crawl into bed and he'll do this little thing where he goes, he just, he just wants to get as snuggled in as he can and his face has the biggest, cutest smile in the world. Why? Because he just loves being with his parents like a weaned child, delighting in being just close. River Church, and I'm dead serious about that. What if we threw everything off the table and opened our hearts up and said, God, what if we just want to meet and, and like a weaned child, just rest in you. We want to commune with you together. We want an undivided, unspoiled, no footnotes, no appendix, no iTunes agreement. Who knows what's in that, by the way? It's like you might be signing away your soul. We don't know, but you click it so you can move on. We don't want any of those things. We just want you so purely, not stratagems and technical problem solving. I wrote a few things. Not global movements or multi-layered plans. Not quote-unquote staying on the cutting edge. Not jealousy for the revivals of the past and desperately trying to pump those revivals into this moment today. Not figuring out how to quote-unquote build the church or build the kingdom of God, but the single-minded return to the simplicity of our first love. This church is not our church. It's, it's, it's God's church. That imagery is clear. He holds it in his hand. Figuring out what to do next is not something that in our power we're going to ever be able to do. He wants us to just, like a weaned child, I would suggest... Abide with him. And and if we start there and we stay there, I promise you the most exciting seasons of ministry will be ahead. 
And it will not come from a conference, though those can be nice, and it will not come from some great bright idea that I come up with. It will come from this sustained, I just want the simplicity. And I dare say it's going to be attractive to people. Because I don't think folks are looking for a show. I don't think they come to church looking to be impressed. And if they do, we don't want you here. God bless you, but this, oh, no, that sounds mean. We don't want you here if that's why you're here. This is the wrong group for that. There's so many exciting things you could do. I think people are hungry to say, I want something real. I want to see people, even if imperfectly, want to just snuggle up to a creator my mind couldn't even fathom. And what if God just wants that from us? Period. End of sentence. Okay. Lord God, we want an undivided heart. Lord, we want to just, like a weaned child, nestle up and have you hold us. We want to be in your presence. We want to seek your truth. We want to be so swimming in your perspective of reality and recognizing your character and sitting quietly as a church. Lord, that's, I believe, what repentance looks like. We repent. I repent, Lord. I repent from where I've lost my first love and I've worried about things like what happens if we lose our permit? What happens if this can't catch momentum? What happens this? What happens if we don't make our budget? All these silly things, Lord God. I just want you. We just want you. So together as a church... We jump into your lap, God. We rededicate ourselves. We leave those things. We hit control, alt, delete. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have some, um, we're going to have some communion up here. We're going to have some music flowing. And again, none of this is profound. None of this is like really complex. This is so, I believe, simple. But I'm convinced of it. I really am. This is what God would have us come back to and discover together what it means to quiet ourselves like a weaned child and nestle against the Lord. Uh, so we're going to play some music, and um, you can get communion, and that's the end of our service. So uh, say hello, keep praying, uh, and thank you for coming this morning. God bless you all.